Romans chapter 12, verse 3, as we continue in this chapter, for I to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Excuse me. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I've titled the message this morning, Gifts Governed by Love. Gifts Governed by Love. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word once again. And I pray that the Spirit of God would use his word this morning to encourage us and challenge us. And, Father, to bring edification for your glory and for your honor. And, Father, being in our midst, who do not have the assurance of salvation, the Spirit of God would bring conviction there and repentance um, and, and faith unto everlasting life. And we'll just thank you and praise you. What do we pray in Jesus' name? Amen. You know, as we said last week, you know, the, the chapter 12 really starts the practical part of the book of Romans. Uh, first 11 chapters are mostly doctrinal. Of course, a lot of practical teaching there as well. But, but as, we, as we consider uh, this passage this morning, and he's talking here about some gifts. The word uh, gift means a favor which one receives without any merits of his own. And it's really the everyday practice of exercising the abilities which God has given to us, and these are all to be governed by love. And as we consider the use of these gifts, there's, of course, some requirements. Of course, verse 1 and 2 talks about a surrendered life. Uh, somebody has said the, the, you know, the greatest ability is availability. We're going to make ourselves available to the Lord to use us. And... Uh, and then he says in verse 3, and there's a couple of things I want to, before we get into the love part, but he says we ought to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. 
In other words, we're to think proper of ourselves. You know, we're not to think bad of ourselves. You know, a lot of people have, you know, you know, the big thing today is people talk about self-esteem and, and with all the, uh, you know, you need to think more better of yourself and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and the more they talk about that, the, lower the, the more people that have self-esteem problems, it seems. The more you focus on yourself, the more self-esteem problems you're going to have <laughs> is the bottom line. Uh, no, we're not to think of ourselves more highly. We ought, to th- we ought not to think of ourselves worse off you know, bad of ourselves either. There needs to be a balance. You know, we realize that what we are uh, in the sight of God, we are sinners, but God loved us and gave himself for us. And, and we, uh, that he, he delights in us. So that we ought to have a right estimate, estimate of, a, of oneself. Uh, the, the idea here is not thinking better than, than everyone else. You know, that's kind of the, the, the thought. And, but we ought to think soberly, to put a moderate estimate, um, you know, serious-minded and so on. And, 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 he, and he, he, so he, he talks about these gifts that he gives, and he refers to them as an office, verse 4, for as we having many members in one body, talking about the body of Christ, the church, the local church, and everyone members one of another, it says, all members have not the same office. And the word office there in Greek is praxis. That's where we get our word practice. And it really has to do with a thing to be done or our business, what we do in the Lord's body. So we don't all have the same office or the same exact uh, responsibility, you might say, in the church. But God is given to gifts differing according to the grace that is given to him. And we're to use these gifts. Of course, these gifts are to be governed by love. In verses 9 through 21, and you know, he talks about the different gifts. The, the, the prophesying is, is really preaching, teaching. And I'm not going to take time to look at really all these gifts. But uh, these gifts are to be governed by love. And you know, a parallel passage as we consider this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13. You can have the greatest abilities that any one person can have, but if it's not governed or controlled uh, by love, it's not of much value to the Lord. First Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, the word charity has the, has the word agape, which was, is true love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, now I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long this kind. Charity envieth not. Charity bondeth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether it be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. 
But then that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. So, you know, again, this passage, you know, he's talking here in, in Corinth, to Corinth, Church of Corinth, about spiritual gifts. But he said, you know, though you can have the gift of prophecy and knowledge and, and tongues, but they're all going to vanish. They're all going to pass away. They're all going to cease. They were temporary gifts. But the greatest of all is charity. It's charity. And so charity or love is what governs or should be the origin or the, you might say the initiator, I don't know if that's the right word, the initiator of the use of the gifts that God has given to us. And, and this is really sort of love described in action. I want to notice seven things as we consider uh, about love here and, and the use of our gifts. First of all, love is practical. In verse 9, he says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. So love is practical. It should be real. It should be without dissimulation. The word dissimulation means uh, uh, feigned. Or it should, so it should be unfeigned. It should be undisguised. It should be evident. In 1 Peter 1, verse 22, says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. In other words, you have genuine love for the brethren. See that you love one another with pure heart fervently. So the love ought to be practical. It ought to be that which is practice in everyday life. It ought not to be just something we put on, like we put on a coat in the morning and then take it off when we get home. It should be something that, that governs everyday life. It should be practical. It should be real. It should be a part of us. Because the love of God is, God is shed abroad in our hearts, Romans 5, 5 tells us. So love is to be practical. It is also, love is to be pure. If you notice again in verse 9, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So love abhors, or it, 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 it you know, considers wicked and vile that which is evil, but it should cleave to that which is good. And as God's people, we ought to love that which is good and hate that which is evil. In 3 John, verse 11, he says, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. In, uh, again, 1 Corinthians 15, or 13, we just read verses 5 and 6, uh, speaking about love. He says, It doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, it's not selfish, is not easily provoked or easily offended. It doesn't think evil. In other words, you know, have evil thoughts concerning someone. Or you know, some people have this, well, I wonder what they meant by that. Now, we're to take it for what they say. We're not to think evil of people. Uh, you know, uh, it doesn't think evil. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. So love, love is pure. It is holy. And again, we love one another with a pure heart fervently. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22 tells us. So love is pure. And uh, uh, it, it cleaves to that which is good. And then thirdly, 
I want you to notice love's preference. In verse 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Uh, the, The phrase there, honor preferring, has the idea to value with deference or reverence. And the word preferring, that's, that's honor. The word preferring means to go before and show the way. To go before and lead. One going before another as an example of deference. So in honor, preferring one another, it means you would value one that's following and you would go before them valuing those that are following you and, 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 and uh, uh, that you're trying to teach and instruct, you might say. So, so it's leading, it's honoring those who you are, are trying to minister or use your gifts to minister to uh, and preferring them, uh, giving, uh, 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 leading them, uh, showing worth, investing time in people. Now, it is not just, this is what you're supposed to do, but do as I have done kind of mentality. Paul said three times in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 4, 16, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, again, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And then in Philippians 4, or 3, 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as you have us for an example. He wrote to the to the Hebrews, the church of Jerusalem in Hebrews 13, 7, he said, Remember them which have the rule over you, have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. So somebody is following you. You're not pushing them. They're, they're behind you. You know, shepherds lead their sheep. Shepherds lead their sheep. Sheep can't be herded. You know, we herd calves. We always herded calves. And um, many times we use a dog to herd calves. But it's very difficult and almost impossible to herd sheep. They will follow you. I mean, if you try to herd sheep, they just scatter and run. No, they, they, they will follow their shepherd. And so this is the idea of love preferring one another. And you know, Paul, when he wrote to the, to the Philippians in uh, Philippians chapter 2, <clears throat> you know, there, was some, there was particularly two women in the church who were having some problems and and uh, he addressed that, and then he said in chapter 2, uh, in verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, and if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that be like-minded, having the same love, being one of God and one of mine, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, glory but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're to honor and preferring one another uh, in the Lord. Love prefers one another. It kind of reminds me, I was reading a, uh, a book by Pastor David Sorensen, and he was, he was talking about, you know, pastors need to be willing to do anything else they ask their people, anything they ask their people to do. And he said his dad, uh, who started the church there where he was, and actually uh, Pastor Sorensen, the one I'm talking about, he wrote the book, now is Pastor Emeritus too. He's retired. But anyway, his dad, after he retired from the pastorate, 
became the janitor of the church. And one day he was in the church cleaning the toilets. And somebody from the, one of the church members came in and, uh, and saw him and said, Pastor Sorensen, what are you doing cleaning the toilets? He said, I'm just serving the Lord. And he said, you know, he was leading by example. You know, he, he was willing to do anything else that it asked anyone else to do. He was leading. When I was in Bible school, one of our teachers, uh, Jim O'Donnell, he was a World War II veteran. And uh, he said that they had this lieutenant that they dearly loved. He said the reason we loved him was he would lead us into battle. He said there were many that got shot by their own men because they were hated. But this guy, he said, you see that street over there? We're going to take it. Let's go. And he said he would take off and we would follow. He said we'd have followed him anywhere because he would lead us into battle. And that's what this preference here is, in love, preferring one another. It's leading. You know, he, he was showing value to his men. He would not send them where he was not willing to go himself. And so love prefers one another. That's love's preference. Fourthly, love is productive. Notice verse 11. It's not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So not slothful in business. Love is productive. It's not slothful. It's not lazy. It's willing to work. It's willing to put effort into learning and effort into work. The word fervent means a zeal for that which is good. And we need to have a zeal uh, for that which is good. You know, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, no device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. In Deuteronomy 6, 5, the Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And Jesus repeated that in Matthew 22, verse 37. He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. You know, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, you love him with all your being, you're going to give him 110%. You're going to be all in. Not slothful or half-hearted. Not caring. So we're going to see tonight, you know, the church at Laodicea, that's how they were, kind of apathetic. You know, apathy is a real problem in our, in our country, and it's a real problem in our churches. Lots of people just don't care. They're not, they're not, they don't care that people are dying and going to hell. They don't care that missionaries don't have support. They don't care that the Lord's grieved by their conduct. Now, we need to be like Apollos. You know, in Acts chapter 18, verse 24 and 25, it says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexander, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. And this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit. 
he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. You know, he didn't have all the truth, but with what he had, he was fervent about it. And he was mighty in the scriptures. And commentators say they believe that probably he had quote the entire Old Testament. You would say he was fervent about what he was doing. He was not slothful at all. He put forth effort. He was willing to work. He labored in the word. Paul said, I have labored more abundantly than they all. Paul was very zealous for the Lord just as he had been zealous against the Lord. And so love, love needs to be, is productive. It is productive. And then number five, love is also patient. Notice verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Now, rejoicing and hope refer to, of course, ex- expectation. Uh, the word hope has the idea of expectation. But as we think about it, the love is patient. Patient means to persevere absolutely and emphatically under misfortunes and trials to hold fast to one's faith in Christ. And as we consider this in relationship to using our gifts, um, you know, love, using our gifts and being governed by love, Love is patient. Ministry requires patience. It's trying sometimes. It requires a lot of patience. You know, sometimes you, you know, know, we've, we've gone through Bible studies and no fruit. So what do we do? Just quit? No, we still have hope. We're to be, we're to have hope. Uh, we're to continue to, to we, we must, we must continue to teach and instruct with patience. You know, <coughs> Paul, you wrong Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but the gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth. So there needs to be this patient expectation of this hope. Again, praying for growth, praying for the embracing of the truths of God's word. Patient. Love is love is patient. It doesn't give up. It doesn't surrender under the trials and burdens of ministry. But it is patient. And then number six, love also provides. If you notice in verse 13, uh, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Uh, here we ha- this is the idea, of course, of communicating to the necessities. And when the Bible uses the word of Distributing here to the necessity of the saints. It, it uses also the, another word in Philippians 4.15, communicating, where uh, it says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So the Macedonian believers distributed or gave to 
to Paul's necessities, and that they use the word communicate here. And that's what distributing is. It's distributing to the necessity of the saints. And, of course, necessities has to do with needs. Paul had a genuine need. In, in Acts 28, after they had been shipwrecked on the Isle of Miletus, and they were getting ready to leave, it says that in verse 28, or chapter 28, verse 10, who also honored us with many honors, and when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. So, you know, love uh, provides for the needs of the saints. When there is a need, it gives. You know, the Bible says we're to be given to hospitality. The word given means to seek after eagerly, to earnestly endeavor to inquire. It's something we should seek to, to do is to be hospitable, uh, to be given to hospitality, and, and you know, treating strangers warmly, friendly, being generous. You know, love does not give reluctantly. That's not love. Love gives freely, fervently, eagerly, cheerfully, as 2 Corinthians 8 tells us. We're to give cheerfully. That word cheerfully is hilariously, happily, not reluctantly. If you, if, if you just give reluctantly, what reward have you? Um, no, love, see, love provides for the needs of the saints. It also provides blessing and not cursing. If you notice in verse 14, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. So we're to provide blessing or um, uh, you know, given to to uh, words of encouragement and not to words of cursing or pronouncing evil. And this kind of goes along, and we'll look at this a little later in a minute, but, you know, verses 18 through 21. But we're, not, we're to bless those which persecute us, bless and curse not. We're also to provide sympathy, verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <coughs> Excuse me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24. And here we're talking about the parts of the body or the members of the body. And it says, For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there be, should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one of another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. And one member be honored, all members, all the members rejoice with it. So here he's comparing the body or the church to a human body that has many parts. It has eyes, ears, feet, hands, hair. And there's some parts that are that seem more important than others, but every part has a purpose. Yeah, they used to think that your tonsils had no purpose. And so, you know, if they're giving you a problem, just cut them out. But they find out that tonsils have a purpose. 
I mean, they may be insignificant. They may not be as important as your brain or your heart. But the tonsils contain B cells, a type of white blood cell that fights infections. And they also produce antibodies against polio, strepto something pneumonia, influenza, and numerous other infections. Uh, so they have a purpose. You know, your toes, each toe has a purpose. Now, you can live without your little toe, but it may affect the way you walk. It's going to affect every other part of your body. And, and love is sympathetic with each part of the body. It considers each part important. And none are insignificant. And if you notice again, verse 26, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member will be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So there's this sympathy. Uh, love sympathizes uh, with one another. And we're to use our gifts uh, in sympathizing with one another. And then in verse 16, uh, there needs to be acceptance. Love it provides acceptance as well. In verse 16, it says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. You know, where, there is, where love is, there are no petitions or cliques or class distinctions or race distinctions. First Corinthians 12 again, and verse 13 says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, or bond or free, and have been all, have been all made to drink into one spirit. So there's no, you know, there's acceptance. There ought to be, where the love is, there is acceptance one another. You know, we, we don't, we, we ought not to be wise or, or think we're better than someone else. You know, in Corinth, they had a problem with this. There were those that had and those that had not. And, of course, there was divisions and, and, and so there were, there were these party cliques. But where love is, love provides acceptance of one another. And then love also provides honesty. Notice verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. You know, we're to be, we're to be honest. We're up front, uh, open. Uh, Barnabas was honest about his dealings. He, he sold land, and he brought the price to heaven, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias and Sapphira sold land, and they brought part of it and said it was all of it. They did not provide things honest. They were being dishonest. They are being dishonest. No, love provides things honest in the sight of all men. And, you know, as we consider using our, our gifts, our ministry, we need to be honest with people. Honest. Open. Genuine. Uh, without guile. You know, the Bible says that of Jesus, there, there was no guile found in his mouth. 
He was honest with people. And so love is, is honest, provides honesty. And then also love provides peace. Notice verses 18 through 21. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will pay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if mine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire in his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So if it's possible, we're to live peaceably with all men. Now that is not always possible. I understand that. Was it possible, let me give you an illustration, was it possible for David to live peaceably with Saul? No, it was not. He had to leave. He had to flee. It was not possible. Not because of David, but because of Saul. David wanted peace. Saul did not. So it's not always possible. But, as, but if it is possible, as much as life in you, we're to live peaceably with all men. And we're not to avenge ourselves. David did not seek vengeance. He did not avenge himself of Saul, even though he had opportunity to do so. He could have twice. In fact, he was encouraged to avenge himself. Now, Joab, on the other hand, avenged himself. Because Abner killed his brother in battle, Joab killed Abner in cold blood. Abner's killing of um, Joab's brother, I can't remember his name. Anyway, I know he was as light of foot as a deer. But uh, his killing of, of Joab's brother in battle was not murder. But Joab's killing of Abner was murder. He avenged himself. Simeon and Levi avenged themselves of Dana, their, daughter, their sister. They killed all of Shechem. And Jacob said, you have made me distinct among the inhabitants of the land. The word stink there means hated and detested. It kind of gives you the idea of you'd stop along a road, a roadkill, and when it's ripe, and smell it. And Jacob said, you've made me stink because you avenged yourself. You know, a vengeful person is never liked. Vengeful people are not liked. Vengeful person often does the same as has been done to him or worse. And, and we're not to be that way. We're not to act, act in a way that others do to us. The Bible says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I repay, saith the Lord. <coughs> We're not to seek vengeance. We're let God take care of that. You know, seeking vengeance is putting yourself in the place of God. 
is seeking your, your own retribution. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Romans 14, 19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify one another. Psalm 34, 14, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace. And pursue it. Again, we know that we can't always live peaceable with all men. It's impossible to live peaceable with ISIS. It's impossible. Because it's they believe in death to the infidels. And we're infidels to them. Uh but we are to endeavor to live peaceably with all men. In, in uh, 1 Peter 3.11, the Bible again says, Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Again, that word ensue has the idea of to seek after it. So as God's people, we are to be always seeking peace. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the peacemakers. The peacemakers. You know, even when we have to confront evil, or even especially you know, as we think about ministering and using our abilities, we ought to be seeking peace. Resolving of conflicts. That's what God sought us for, is to resolve the conflict between us and Him. Because we were at enmity against God. And so, you know, as we consider the abilities, the gifts that God has given to us as members of the body of Lighthouse Baptist Church. You know, those abilities need to be governed or directed by love. They should come out of a heart of love, preferring one another, giving place one to another, accepting one another, being honest with one another, Blessing and not cursing. Being patient with one another. After all, the love of God, the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, God has given us, God does give us gifts, abilities that we can use for His honor and glory. And But these gifts are to be governed by love. Yeah, we don't want to be the pepper of life. <laughs> I remember when I was working for a cousin of mine, Benny Swory, in a machine or a, a metal fabrication shop, and this fellow started a place similar to it across across the valley, and um, I didn't know the guy, but evidently he must have been known as being quite contentious or curt or something. I'm not sure how to describe him. But anyway, the, uh, uh, a uh, uh, guy by the name of Tom came into the shop one day, and they were talking about him, and he said, he said, yeah, you know, the Bible says we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, and I think he's the pepper. 
Uh, we don't want to be the pepper. We're to be the salt. You know, salt uh, preserves. It's a preservative. It's a taste enhancer. Um, it's a purifier. Uh, and so we need to use our gifts. Our gifts should be governed by love. Love for the Lord that is displayed by love to one another. So might God help us to use our gifts to glorify him and to love and serve one another. Let's pray.